You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. The wait is over. Hawk Talk is finally back in 2022. And I'm here, Nasa Chobi, your host, with the one you want to hear, Michael Bumpus, the hostess with the mostest, the new host of the Bump and Stacey show on Seattle Sports 710. He's the host of the pregame show, number five in your Cougar programs, number 16 on your Seahawk program back in the day. Michael Bumpus, what's good, buddy? What's good, man? It's been too long. It's been too long, but we are back, ready to go. Been some changes with the Seahawks team, but uh, changes could be good. So I'm excited to talk about the dudes, man. Yeah, man. I, I think um, the overarching kind of storyline all training camp is just excitement. People are excited to be in this building. I'm excited to be in this building. This training camp had a different feel than really anything that I've been a part of since I've been with the Seahawks. As we know, I'm not breaking any news here. Number three, Russell Wilson is no longer on the football team. Bobby Wagner's not here. But it's just a different feel. You know, we've heard Pete Carroll and John Snyder talk about getting back in the wheelhouse, and it's about competition, and things have been fun this month at training camp. So I'm so excited that we're actually getting ready to talk about real football bump. It counts next Monday. What are your first initial thoughts when you look at this uh, opening day roster for the Seahawks? Man, when I look at this roster, obviously the, the big focus this offseason was the quarterback position. You got Geno and Drew Lott battling it out. Drew kind of, he got COVID five days, six days out the game, kind of put him behind. But end of the day, he had an opportunity to win the job, didn't win the job. Geno takes it there. The running back spot, we know this is Rashad's team, right? Rashad's going to get every opportunity to show the 12s, and everyone across the country that last year was not a fluke. No surprises there, but I got to show some love to DJ real quick. Second preseason in a row, this guy has um, has shown that he deserves to be on this team. Number 31 was the leading rusher on this team and one of the leading rushers in the preseason. Excited for that. The one position that surprised me a little bit with a cut was uh, wide receiver because Freddie, Freddie Swain has been the guy that you can rely on for a big play here or there every single season. And he just didn't get it done. But that lets you know that there's some young guys in that receiver room that are pushing to get some time. It's nice to see D. Eskridge. He seems like he's healthy. Marquise Goodwin's going to be in the mix. Penny Hart and Dariq Young, the seventh-round pick, made the squad. I'm loving what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, we're going to keep coming back to it all season long and definitely throughout this podcast and it's competition. You mentioned it. Freddie Swain was that guy last year. He was that number three receiver. He seemed to make a decent amount of plays. Uh, he was a good option for Russell Wilson in that offense. But you come in this year – and the Seahawks draft a Derek Young late in the in the draft, right? You have Diestrich coming back. Marquise Goodwin comes in. And a guy that people forget about all the time is Penny Hart. Penny Hart is a yeah. guy that was used to kind of be underneath the radar. He was a guy that you knew was going to help you on the special teams. But he just does enough. He's always around the ball making plays, and he's, he's going to help it. So I just love the competition, you know. Just because you were doing something last year does not mean you're going to be on the team doing it this year. So I'm really excited about that receiving core. Obviously, Tyler and DK, we know who they are. They're the best combo receivers in the National Football League. But it'll be good to see who emerges as that third receiver. I know a lot of us kind of thought even going into last year is going to be D. Eskridge. He gets hurt in that Colts game. Yeah, Doesn't really come back till the end of the year. And now you add Marquise Goodwin, another speedster between both those guys that can kind of do some of the same things. So it'll be really interesting to see. And shout out to Derek Young for, for making the ball club. 
um, kind of just going throughout the rest of this roster. Um, tight ends, not a lot of uh, surprise there. Will Disley coming back, Uncle Will doing his thing. Colby Parkinson, hoping that he's a guy that can kind of get after it in the red zone this year. He's a six seven frame. He looks physically amazing. He's been hitting the weight room hard. He looks like a guy that's definitely going to be an impact this year in the red zone, so we're hoping to see that. But a guy I want to get your opinion on bump is Noah Fant. You know, he's a big name coming out from Denver in the Russell Wilson trade, other than, you know, Drew Locke and Shelby Harris as well. But Noah Fant was their leading receiver last year in terms of reception for the Broncos. What are you expecting to see from him uh, within this Shane Waldron offense? Well, Noah Fant has to be that number three receiver now. You had Gerald Everett last year who was essentially that number three receiver. He's gone. And Noah Fant does a little bit more. What we loved about Gerald Everett was that he can play outside, he can play inside, and he can block. I look at Noah Fant, I see the same things, but I see it at a higher level. Noah Fant is a guy who can take a screen 40, 50, 60 yards. There's not too many tight ends in the league that can do that. You're talking about the George Kittles, the, the Wallers, and even the Kelseys. There's only so many tight ends who have those type of attributes. He might be a guy that opens up this offense. The knock with Russell Wilson was you don't use your tight ends enough. You don't throw the ball across the middle with Russell not being here. You got Shane Waldron, who I feel like is really going to evolve as a play caller. You bring it over a guy like Noah Fan. All he's going to do is enhance this offense. And what I like about this room, Nass, is that there's three different type tight yes. ends. Yep. You got Will Disley, the guy who's, who's blue collar going to block. You got Colby Parkinson up top, Mr. 6'7". I'm looking about 10 pounds heavier this year. Mm-hmm. And then you got Noah Fan, who does a little bit of everything. So, uh, yeah, Noah Fan could be a, a key piece to this thing. You mentioned all the names, the weapons on offense, the receivers, the running backs. Noah Fan and D. Eskridge, I'm looking at those two to kind of insert themselves into this offense and, and mix it up a bit. No, absolutely, and I love that. And if we're talking offense, Ray Roberts w- would come after us if we didn't mention the offensive line, <laughs> so we definitely got to go there. Obviously, uh, a lot of big improvements to that offensive line, and we're going to start, first of all, with left tackle. You draft Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, and he at uh, the number nine overall pick, and he's the guy that you put in right away. There's no questions about this or that. No, you draft him. He walks right into that room, and he is your yeah. starting left tackle. And he's a guy that looked really good in the preseason. Um, he had the one game against Chicago where he had a bunch of all-star penalties, but that's something that's so easily corrected. You know what I'm saying? So right. looking past that, he's, he's physical. He has a good base. He, he is going to be a guy that I think is going to be a mainstay on this line for the next decade to come, hopefully. Uh, I'm not calling him Walter Jones or anything like that, but I, just the longevity is that he has a potential to be a guy like that. And then you go down the line, obviously, Damian Lewis coming back. He obviously was hurt in the preseason, but he's back there coming back. Hopefully he'll be ready to go for the season opener. Austin Blythe, the new addition from previously with the Rams and the Chiefs taking over at center. Then on the other side, Gabe Jackson. And then at right tackle, one of your kooks, Yes, Abe sir. Lucas looks like he's won the job at right tackle, and it's crazy if the Seahawks got this right to get two potential bookend tackles in one draft. And Abe Lucas is doing nothing but mauling people. I thought all they did was pass it while you bump. Apparently, right. this guy can run block. He's putting people in the turf. And if you're a DB and he's coming around that corner, you're gonna make start making some business decisions because Abe Lucas is a mauler, and I love what I saw from him in this preseason. Yeah, and Lucas and Charles Cross, those were the focus when it comes to that offensive line for good reason. You mentioned Charles Cross, number nine pick. He's going to play. He could have had the worst preseason in the world. didn't matter. You're pick number nine. You're going to play. Thankfully, he did not have the worst preseason in the world, and he showed that he can play. did have some hiccups, but that's what rookies do. They're going to have hiccups. On the other side, I've been saying to people, this is the best draft I've seen from the Hawks in a long time. And a lot of the reason, not just because of Charles Cross, is because of what they did in the later rounds, and Abe Lucas is one of those guys. Right? You bring Abe Lucas in to play that offensive line, no one, I guess, 
he had the potential to be the starter, but he felt like he had to go through Phil Haynes. He had to go through Jake Curhan. He had to go through Stone Forsythe, guys who have been here and played a little bit. And he did exactly that, man. He showed that, um, yeah, they pass the ball a, a bunch at Wazoo, but he's an athlete. You mm-hmm. got to forget, he comes from Archbishop Murphy over there in Everett. They ran and the football. He played basketball. He's an athletic type of dude. I look at this offensive line. I love the interior. We got to see how Damian Lewis heals up from his injury. Uh, but you got Austin Blythe. You got Gabe Jackson. I'm optimistic about this offensive line. They're going to lean on him early because they want to run the football a lot with Rashad Penny back there. But now I, I look at the D-line, Nas, mm-hmm. and I see two names that, that I, I just want love off top, Puna Ford and newly Captain Al Woods. Those guys are going to hold down the interior. Brian Monet had a good preseason miles adams is one of my favorite players to watch this preseason he was everywhere quentin jefferson is back for the second time and then you have shelby harris who's involved in that denver trade this defensive line is going to be key they're not going to get all the glory right they're not not going to be celebrated the way that they should be same with the offensive line but you look at the guys who have been here the guys who are emerging and the guys who are are back for the are here for the first time and you got to look at this this d-line and say okay you can work with this Absolutely. I, I think when I see those names, I just think of run stuffers up front. I think of big out woods, man. You're not moving that dude. He's going to eat a bunch of double two, double teams and keep guys off the linebackers. Puna Ford does the same thing. Brian Monet is another guy that helps in the interior. And I love bringing Quinn Jefferson back. He's one of my favorites personally over here. He's made a couple stints with the Seahawks and he had a great career, you know, outside of this building with the Raiders and the Bills. So it's, it's good to see him back in the building. I think the defensive line is going to be in really good shape and, we're going to talk about this a little bit more later, but when you think of defensive line, when you see the roster and you go, wait, there's only six or seven defensive linemen, what's that about? Well, it's because of the defense. It's because of the 3-4, right? Oh. So we're going to have all these linebackers that are going to play that quasi-role kind of defensive line, kind of linebacker, going to line up on the edge, and the offense is constantly has to figure out which guys are rushing the passer, right? So the thing I love about that, so where we go to linebacker, because they kind of group both these the front seven in together, oh. is boy Daryl Taylor. Come on now. I'll come out. Let's, we'll do the hot takes from the jump, right? Daryl Taylor <laughs> will have at least 12 sacks this year. All right. And, you know, honestly, I shouldn't even really take credit for that because that's not really going out on a limb. If anyone has watched him at practice, if anyone saw what he did last year, he is a dude that he has a motor, and he's, he's always singing. He's always dancing. I don't know if you follow any of our social media platforms. Daryl Taylor is that dude and brings that energy. I think he's going to go nuts this year. Uchenna Nwosu is going to be another guy that helps us a lot coming from the Chargers. Did a lot of good things over there. You draft Boye Mafe from Minnesota. He has that burst and that get off. We saw a little bit of what he can do against the Steelers in that first preseason game. Then you got guys like Alton Robinson who did some things last year. Um, and then the guys in the middle, right? 56, 57, Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton. Those are the dudes that are really stepping up and filling the void of, of Bobby Wagner. But these guys are ready. They're ready. Cody Barton has been waiting in the wings. He's been here for years, waiting for his opportunity, waiting for his opportunity. He finally gets it. Jordan Brooks came out on the scene. He's shown what he could do, got banged up a little bit his rookie year. Last year, he set the franchise record in tackles, so we know he's about that life. So I'm just really excited about the linebackers and this front seven in general. I really think a guy like Jordan Brooks, he's got the dot on the helmet. You're calling the plays. It's a lot more added responsibility, but I think he's a guy that's going to take a huge step in 2022. The linebacker group has to be one of the most versatile positions on this field, especially if you're on the edge, right? You mentioned they're going to walk down, give you that that rush look. They can also drop into space. That's when you depend on Uchenna and Boye Mafe and uh, Daryl Taylor. What I love about Boye Mafe, he hasn't played football for a very long time, so everything you say to him is gold. Everything you say, he's like, look, I'm going to give him my best effort, and I'm going to try it. 
because I don't have a lot of experience. That's a gift and a curse, right? You don't have ex- a lot of experience. So you haven't been through a lot of situations. But when you are a coach to do something, you're going to do it. Jordan Brooks is signed, still delivered, ready to go. And then Cody Barnes has been waiting in the wings for a few years now for his opportunity. We saw him play early, struggle a little bit. Then you move into special teams. You spot him in here or there. He's been getting these reps. I really like this group. We're going to have to depend on this group. And the next group is a cornerback group. Ooh, this is a group boy. That, that is going to be targeted, right? The last couple of years, this defense has been the greatest when it comes to the past, but there's reason to be optimistic. Yeah, guys coming back. Sid Jones had a concussion. This training camp didn't see much of him, but we know that he is ready to go. Then you bring over Artie Burns, a guy who's familiar with the side and what they want to do on the back end there. You draft Kobe Bryant, the Jim Thorpe winner out of Cincinnati, and then you bring Tariq Woolen, who has been a surprise to everybody. Physically, we knew that he 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 had that, but it now is can you line up? Can you flip the hips? Can you be a true corner, knowing that you were a receiver most of your career and you've only played 14 games? You got Justin Coleman here for the third time. He came back. He makes the squad. Then Isaiah Dunn and Michael Jackson. Big up to Michael Jackson. We're going to talk about him because um, he's the epitome of competition when it comes to this roster. This dude made it. Nas, he played. It seemed like he played every snap on defense yeah. and every snap on special teams. I, I'm watching him like, man, he's going to be sore after this game because Michael Jackson was everywhere making plays. I'm really happy for that dude. He made the team. But you look at these rookies, Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen, you go, are we looking at the future of this Seahawks secondary for a while now? Without question, you see those guys. And, again, Kobe Bryant's a guy that could have easily gotten drafted way higher. You know, yep. you win the Jim Thorpe Award, award is the best DB in college. And he probably didn't get the, the recognition he deserved because we played against, or he played alongside, excuse me, Sauce Gardner. Right. right? Sauce Gardner is a top 10 pick. Everyone's talking about him the whole time. But Kobe Bryant has been through it. He spent putting his time in Cincinnati, and he showed a lot of good things out here on the practice field. And I think what surprised people, not necessarily in this building, but people looking on the onset was him going to nickel him going inside. He can obviously play outside, but he's been used a lot on the interior, so it'll be a, a nice battle to kind of watch with him moving forward. And Tariq Woolen, man, when we got him, I was obviously, anytime you see a guy runs a 4-2 what? You're like, yeah, sign me up, thank you. He's long, he's lanky, he plays corner. But you expect a huge learning curve. You expect a guy that's probably really raw. His footwork probably isn't that great. His hands might not be that great. There might be some, there's a reason why this, this specimen is here at this time, and it's because change of positions, it's because how long he played football, but he falls to you. And what surprised me is he's not as raw as I thought he was going to be. He's a lot more polished. His footwork is great getting in out of break. So really excited about the corners. And then we'll wrap it up with the safeties. Not a lot to say there, man. Quandra Diggs, right. Mal Adams. We know what we're getting. Those are two of the best safeties in the national football league. I'm really excited to what they can do this year. Obviously, Jamal Adams coming back from injury, but seeing him get after the quarterback again and do some good things. Quandre Diggs, the most underrated free safety in the game today. Several seasons with five interceptions. He's balling out. Then the other good part at the back end is their depth. We know what Ryan Neal can do because he's been making plays for this team for a couple years now. But Josh Jones and Joey Blunt showed up to camp, and they were hitting people. They were physical. Sure. They were in your face. There was some dust-ups in training camp with some of the receivers and DK. But I just love to see the physicality for them. And they're on scene, and they're ready to compete. They're going to help on special teams. And if anyone goes down, there, there's definitely a, um, a feeling of, of depth and real that those guys can step in and really help the team. We know the specialists, Michael Dixon, Jason Myers, Tyler Ott, holding it down. So love to see that. And, and the last thing I would say about the roster in, in this building, uh, we're going to hear from Coach Carroll in one second. But the reason I want to bring it up is, is we're not going to avoid the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is that 
everyone outside this building thinks the Seahawks are not going to be a good football team, right? Right. Everywhere you look, people are saying we're going to win four games, they're going to win three games, maybe two. What are they doing with quarterback? Blah, blah, blah. But the good thing about that bump, the great thing about that is none of those people are in this building and coach this football team. Here's a head coach, Pete Carroll, talking about expectations going into the season. I don't feel like that at all. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like any, any part of any of that is, is what's true, other than the fact that that's what people think, you know. So I'm not in that business now. I'm in the business of helping these guys get ready to play. And, and with all of, the, all of the work that we do and all of the mentality and the culture and the environment that we're in, we've been averaging 10 wins a year for the last 20-something years, you know. You think I could think anything different than that? I don't. I don't, I don't see any reason my expectations should change at all. I don't care what anybody says. I love it because it's true. Did you hear the back end of that? Uh, we've been winning 10-plus games how many years in a row? Like, come on now. 20-some years. This is not this, what we do. Not his first rodeo. And the thing that I, I love, <laughs> they're back in the wheelhouse, and people always forget that people weren't just known commodities. Everyone in Legion of Boom, all those guys, Russell, Bobby, every one of them was not a known commodity. The only guy out of that that those Legion of Boom guys that we're talking about was Earl Thomas was the only first round pick. Russell Coon was one of the first round like you know, we didn't hear about the Sherms and all those guys. They had to be discovered, developed, and found at one point, and they did that. So I think that the Seahawks are obviously in great hands. We know that, but I just love where they're at and the guy leading the charge. Pete Carroll's still here, John Schneider, everyone on the same page. And we're talking about competition bump, which leads me into the unofficial depth chart. And I'm going to start this by saying it's unofficial. It's not official. That doesn't mean <laughs> that what we say here means what's going to happen on Sunday. But when the unofficial right. depth chart did come out for the Seahawks, which every team has to put in their game release, bump, what jumped out to you the most? You got three rookies that are supposedly going to start, right? You mentioned this is unofficial. We talk about Charles Cross, Abe Lucas on that line. You got Tariq Woolen. And then you have Michael Jackson, the guy who made this team the hard way. He played every single preseason game. He was out there sweating. Some dudes played five to ten plays. He said, man, multiply that by six. All right, I'm out there every single play. And uh, like I mentioned, the true definition of if you just do your job, if you make plays and you show up, you're going to have an opportunity to make this team. Other than that, no real surprises. The quarterback battle was settled. Pete Carroll came out right after the third preseason game and said, look, Geno's our guy. We're going to move forward with him. Drew Log has to support. We'll see what happens at the end of the season there. But really no surprises. Three rookies starting. And then you got Michael Jackson doing it the hard way. Yeah. Love Michael Jackson competition. You're, hey, other guys are banged up. You're playing the best. You are going to be rewarded. I love the rookies that are going to be out there. So, Bump, it's that time, baby. It's that time. What's on tap? What's on tap? What's on tap? The Denver Broncos, as we've been talking about, 7-10 and 10 last year, last place finisher in the AFC West in 2021. They are coming to Lumen Field to take on the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night football. All eyes on the Emerald City next Monday. Now, Bump, take me into this head-to-head comparison, right? So, typically, we'll put a lot more stock into this as the season goes on because we're talking about no stats stock. this year. Barely any stock in this. <laughs> but this, we're just looking at last year, and so much has changed. But, Bump, what jumps out? Let's at least look on the Denver side. What jumps out from the head-to-head comparison here? Uh, man, like you said, you, you can't put too much into this. But the thing that does st- uh, stand out to me is the total defense, right? Number eight in the NFL, averaging 320 yards per game. And they were really good against the pass. 
Now, we know that probably won't play too much into this matchup against the Seahawks. We feel like they're going to lean on the run to start. But sooner or later, Geno's going to have to open that thing up. You still got DK. You still got Lockett. You still got Noah Fant. We'll see how D. Eskridge really inserts himself in here. But, no, that, that's what I look at, man, because they're going to be so different offensively with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson apparently is a coach over there. He don't, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they defer to him. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see what type of game plan Russell Wilson has over there. Good for him. He got everything he wanted. But I just look at the defense and I say, okay, a lot of those guys are going to be back. They're going to hang their hat on that. Number eight defense in the league last year. What stands out to you? Yeah, I think you took the words out of my mouth. I think what they do defensively and they allow, the points they allow per game. Third in the NFL, only allowing 18 points per game, which usually means they were crazy, you know, causing turnovers or really high against other stats. It doesn't really pan out that way. They did, they did only have 13 interceptions last year, and they were only plus one in the turnover differential. So, that obviously, takes into account what the offense did. But, no, I just think that they're, they're a solid defense. They're going to get some pass, and they keep people off the scoreboard. Um, for the Seahawks, I throw everything out with the bathwater, man. Throw it all out. It's all gone because what happened defensively, we talked about this for the last two years, man, where the Seahawks struggled a ton at the beginning of the year and then righted the ship and the numbers were off all year, right? So it's hard to even look at any of these numbers because I truly believe this defense under new leadership with Clint Hurd and Sean Desai and Carl Scott and the players that we have back, the players coming back from injury, that I, I, there's no way to me that, I can, that I'll see under pass defense 31, total defense 28. I – I can't, I can't even – I'm not even going to put that out there in the universe because I can't picture that happening this year. <laughs> so, But the one thing when we look at the stat leaders, um, obviously change up at the quarterback position in some of these, these top positions. But if you look for the Broncos, Noah Fant, leading receptions leader, and Shelby Harris, the leading sack getter, are on the Seahawks now. Switch jerseys, baby. Mm-hmm. Up to, the, to the right side, not the dark side. Get away from the dark side. You're over here with us now. But, yeah, you look, Rashad needs to be Rashad. DK needs to be DK. Dunlap is no longer here. We're hoping Shelby Harris helps out there. And then, of course, we got one of the best punters in the game and Michael Dixon. Might not get the love that he deserves, but he will switch field position on you real quickly. This is what's weird about week one, right? Is there's a lot of changes that happen. The NFL did a great job scheduling Seahawks versus Denver, so there's, it's hard to compare. But you never really know what you're going to get. This is week one. I mean, you have an idea, right? We've been here watching the Seahawks and their training camp and their preseason. The Broncos have been over there watching them. I'm like, you got Nathaniel Hackett as your offensive coordinator. Are they watching Green Bay backers film? Like, yeah, the Hawks looking at that film to kind of see what Russell wants to do. But now Russell is like a mini OC. So the questions that we have, I think, is what's going to make this matchup so interesting on Monday. What I love about this, and you'll relate to this because you were a former high school football coach over at Monroe High School. The thing about that first game is you go through camp, you watch film, you practice all month, you go through all your plays, you watch all the film. But, man, you're watching all that for series number one. For one. <laughs> once, once that first series, that first, they, they line up and you go, oh, well, I haven't seen that right. formation before. Okay. And then the, everything's out the film. window. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that part about uh, the first game. So it is definitely going to be interesting. But while we're talking about the first game and who the Seahawks are playing, it's time to know that history. No. Your history. Series record, Broncos lead all-time regular season series 35-19. to 19. Last meeting was the season opener in 2018 where the Seahawks fell to the Broncos 27-24 in Denver. Um, that game really was remembered for, let's see, a couple of things. So Russell Wilson threw for almost 300 yards, uh, did have three touchdowns, but was sacked six times and threw two interceptions. 
Um, but what it should be most remembered for for Seahawks fans is it was the coming out party for Will Disley. That was his for first Will. game. He had three receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. That's still the most reception yards he's ever had in his career. So it was cool to see that. And then Chris Carson. I'd be remiss if I didn't if I didn't talk about this play because we got to see Chris Carson's athletic ability on this nice run. Chris Carson back in as the single setback with a slot near side. And Carson gets it. And he wow. jumps over a man at the 10, 15, 20, down the far sidelines and steps out of bounds. Holy mackerel. Chris Carson doing his Skeets Nehemiah impression. Jumps right over the top of the defender and picks up 24 and a first down. What I love about hey, I, that play. I know, I know who Skeets <laughs> Nehemiah is, but a lot of people might not know who he is. Rabel with the throwback. I'm feeling that. Had to. He's pulled the Skeets Nehemiah out a couple times. I'm not going to lie. The first time he said it, I was kind of confused, but I did, did my research. I'm, I'm up to speed now. <laughs> Skeets Nehemiah was a burner in the hurdle. Um, but, no, I, I loved. I just wanted to play that just for the hell of it. Miss you, Chris Carson. Chris Carson did so many good things sure. for this team. Uh, it's a real bummer that he's not going to be with the Seahawks anymore, but uh, love to see what he was able to do. And the last random note from that Broncos game, Brandon Marshall caught a touchdown for the Seahawks. Wild. And Wild. it's so, like, I went back to the box score and I was like, oh, yeah. Brandon Marshall did play for the first, like, six games that year. Anyway, he ended up his, his tenure with the Seahawks that year. But enough about the history. Now it's time to figure out what's going on in the NFC West. Where my soldiers at? West side! Where my soldiers at? West side! And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? I'll tell you what the word was last year. Rams win 12 and 5, the Cardinals 11 and 6, San Fran 10 and 7, and your Seahawks the bottom of the division at 7 and 10. The Seahawks missed the playoffs for the first time since 2017 and 2021, man, the second time in the Pete Carroll and John Schneider era. The Rams, of course, won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56. They beat the Bengals 23 to 20. The Niners made it back to the postseason in 2021, losing to the in the NFC Championship to the Rams at 20 to 17. The Cardinals made the playoffs for the first time in six years, but were handed a nice L in the wild card round, 34 to 11. Kyler Murray did not play very well. He's pouting on the sideline. Um, like we say, man, the, the the West is going to be arguably the tough division in football. You can look at the AFC West and throw them into the argument. When you look at the quarterbacks in this division alone, you look at Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, you got – Gino over here as well. And then what's going to happen with Trey Lance, right? He's like the big question mark in this division. Can he be the guy? He's only played one season, one full season since his senior year in high school. Um, So it's going to be some changes there. I'm interested to see what this 49er offense looks like. Will it be like Kaepernick back in the day where there's a lot of boot play action? He used his young guys, athleticism. We shall see. The weird thing about the 49ers is Jimmy G is still lurking. Before or during the postseason, they're like, "Look, we're gonna get rid of this guy." They're they're on good terms. Jimmy G has a uh, conference. Hey, I'm out of here. Kyle Shanahan. Hey, I'm out of here. They try to ship him now, and nobody wanted this man for twenty five million dollars. Then they say, "Look, we'll get <laughs> we'll give him to you at a reduced price." And they go, "Nah, we still don't want him." So now he is signed. He's getting six million dollars this year. I think he's just trade bait. About four, five, six weeks into the season, somebody might take a look at him. Yeah. That was so weird to me because you're obviously – and you can see why when you when you take the hat of a front office person and think what they're doing because 
you have all those goodbyes. You have a tearful goodbye, all that stuff. Everyone says the right thing. It's amicable. Everyone is in good shape. And you announce Trey Lance. And usually when you give the keys to the car to the, somebody else, you're like, okay, we're 100% right. behind you, which the 49ers are doing. But they also don't sign the, the old guy who still has a key to the house, who was running things for the last <laughs> three years. They did some good things. I mean, he did take him to a Super Bowl, did take him to another yep. NFC Championship game, 33-14 and 14 as a starter. But here's the most – I think Trey Wingo posted this a while back. This is the most Jimmy Garoppolo stat that I could that could, I could bring up. So in those starts that I just mentioned, 33 and 14 as a starter, he's averaged 1.5 touchdown passes per game and has more zero touchdown pass games with eight than three touchdown pass games with six. That's so crazy. But all that being said, though, we do know that he's obviously done enough to get them to the Super Bowl, and he's a competent quarterback in the National Football League. What happens week one when maybe Trey has a bad game? He throws three picks, gets a little dinged up. I mean, who's are we clamoring for Jimmy G? Who knows? Jimmy's lurking. I, the Niners fans are going to go there for sure. If Trey Lance is struggling, I don't think because of the way their roster is set up, it's set up to win right now. So Trey right. Lance goes out there and he's not look good in the first few weeks. They will be hollering Jimmy's name from the mountaintops. But let's talk about this young man down in Arizona. Okay. Dude got paid. Kyler mm-hmm. Murray, I'm not a hater. Get your money, man. $230 million, you go do your thing. What was weird was about that contract, how they put a, a study clause in there, no video game clause in there. Then he comes out, he goes, it's disrespectful for people to think that I wouldn't study. Well, it wasn't in there on accident. You know what I'm saying? I've never heard of that type of clause being in the contract. But nonetheless, there's no denying Kyler Murray can play. I mean, mm-hmm. he's athletic. He's got a cannon. He's elusive. Um, so that's a situation, too, man. How does him and his head coach coordinator kind of get over that hump. You didn't make it to the playoffs last year, but you didn't look impressive at all. Yeah, we kind of went back and forth on, on Kyler a lot over the last few years on this podcast, specifically in this segment, because we do know his ability. His athletic ability is unmatched in this league. Uh, we compared him a lot to when Russell got going, that Kyler Murray would not be where Kyler Murray's at in the National Football League if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, because he kind of paved the way for guys his size and athletic ability, the baseball, all those other comparisons and he can ball out but they're they're still question marks because under cliff kingsbury and kyler murray together they have notoriously flamed out at the end of the year in in epic fashion right they were not playing their best ball at the end of the year and it kind of led into them getting steamrolled in the playoffs so it'll be interesting to see because the talent is there Um, we know cliff kingsbury is a great offensive mind great offensive minded coach d hops over there still they still got playmakers so it'll be interesting to see what goes on but if things don't start great Things could get real interesting down there in Arizona. But, all right, let's get back to the matchup that matters the most, and it's the Denver Broncos versus the Seahawks. Time to man up. Hey, who man is this? Who man is this? Man up, man up, man up, man up on Hawk Talk. Well, this is a little awkward, Bump, because we would start this segment a lot of times looking at Russell Wilson against whoever they're facing, whatever defensive matchup they had. But we're going to flip it on you guys this year because this first matchup, we're talking about Russell Wilson, a member of the Denver Broncos, going up against this Seahawk defense. And this is the most talked about, hyped up, anticipated season opener storyline that I can remember, at least in week one, where where someone left the team and they're playing that team in their building that first game of the year. And, you know, Russell Wilson was great for the Seahawks. A decade of success, Super Bowl champion, tons of numbers, tons of records. Just full of stuff, right? Um, and then 
now he's moved on. The Seahawks moved on. Everyone moved on. It, it's a different. It's a different time here in the building at the BMAC. It's a different time for Russell and Denver. But this matchup, man, I, I I can't remember. So take me through it. Obviously, bump between us, we can talk about that stuff, right? Because we're not playing in the games. We know everyone downstairs in this building is going to be locked in, ready to go. They don't care who's lining up against them. But when, when you think about it from a coaching standpoint, no one knows Russell Wilson more than Pete Carroll and this staff does in the world, I, I'd presume, right? And then to, right. on the same token, Russell Wilson knows this building and what the Seahawks standpoint more than anybody. Who has the advantage going into week one based off of familiarity? Honestly, and I'm not just saying this because I'm in Seattle. I honestly think Seattle has the advantage because they know his weaknesses and what he wants to do, what he wants to be. What he wanted to be wasn't how Pete Carroll wanted to run his program, his offense. So they part ways. I think the challenge for Russell is going to be, what is his defense going to be? He hasn't seen this defense in Seattle. Has he seen a 3-4 defense with a match zone and all the stuff they're going to do? Of course he has. He's been in the league 10 years. But he can't just throw on a some film from Clint Hurt being a defensive coordinator last year or a couple of years ago and say, okay, this is what he likes to do. Uh, you can look at these preseason games and say, all right, I have an idea what they want to do. But we all know in preseason, they're vanilla as heck. Yep. So honestly, I think Seattle has the advantage when it comes to knowing strengths and weaknesses. Now, when it comes to execution, say what you want about Russell, might not have left the way you liked it, but this dude can play some football. So he's going to make some off-script plays. He's going to make some on-script plays. But initially going in on paper, when you're just sizing some guys up, Seattle has the advantage, but you still got to go out there and play some ball. Absolutely, you're right. At the end of the day, players got to make plays, and that's always how it's going to be. It's always how it ever will be on the football field. But I totally agree with you. And one of the reasons why I think about it, too, is beyond, like you said, the play calling and stuff, right? Russell has seen those type of defenses, absolutely. But they know what what his thought process is like. Hey, here's the things I like in short yardage. Hey, when this is happening, I like to do this. When when this breaks down, here are my favorite go-to things. Obviously, offenses are different, things like that. But they know how he processes information. They were in meetings for a decade with the man, talking about what worked, right. what didn't work, what he's trying to get done on this play. So just kind of knowing that as a background, it's going to be a really fun chess match, though, right? Because it's going to be back and forth, right? Because Russ can be like, ooh, they really think I like this in short yardage. Bam, I'm going to try to hit him with this if it's open. And then the same for Pete Carroll and then and, and Clint Hurd and everybody. You know, oh, Russell Wilson might be doing this. We should – they're thinking we're going to play it this way because we've always taught that in our building, but we're actually – so yeah. that, that chess match is going to be fun. I think – I think – I'm just so excited to see what our defense is going to look like. We were vanilla in the preseason. We finally get to see what this defense is going to be like with our top safeties returning back, Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton holding it down in the middle, obviously Outwoods and those guys up front. Daryl Taylor looks like a guy who's going to have double-digit sack numbers. And obviously Seahawks are drastically trying to improve on that side of the ball, so – I like it. I hope that's true. I hope we do have the advantage, and I hope the Seahawks go ahead and get things going. Next matchup, we're looking at DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett versus Patrick, Patrick Sertain and Justin Simmons. Now, DK Metcalf, no introduction needed. We know who this man is. Gatorade commercials, podcasts everywhere, 75 receptions, 967, and 12 touchdowns last year. Tyler Lockett, the most consistent low-key superstar in the league, 73 receptions, 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. Big ups to Tyler Lockett being announced as team captain as well. I think it is well-deserved. Now, the other side, flip side, Patrick Sertain, 58 attack, 14 passes defended, four interceptions. Justin Simmons, 
80 tackles, one and a half sacks, 12 passes defended. Now, these are some of the biggest playmakers on the field. When that ball is in the air, yep. whether they're throwing to a Seahawk or a Bronco is defending, you got to look at these matchups and say, this could determine the game, right? Defensively, we know that you want to cause turnovers, and the Hawks probably will not throw the ball over 25 times. But when they do, these guys are going to be lurking, looking to make plays. And then you talk about DK and Tyler Lockett because they're not going to throw that ball as much as they would when Wilson was here. They got to look to make explode plays every time that they can. So I picture this this game Nash being a grinder for a little bit, run the football, dink and duck, then boom, you take a shot. Now who comes down with the football? Is it DK? Is it Lockett? Or is it these other young men on the other side of the football? Yeah, no, Sertain is, is a great football player. He had four interceptions last year. Justin Simmons, five interceptions. These guys take the ball away. And, and Sertain is going to be a dude that's going to be – he's going to be a mainstay in this league for a long time. I think he's going to be a perennial pro bowler, all-pro type guy. But, man, I would love – if I'm quarterback from Geno Smith, I break that huddle, I get in my cadence, I look to my left, I see 14 out wide, I look to my right, I got 16 on the other side, bruh. Take, I'm taking that advantage all, all day long. <laughs> Are you kidding me? DK Metcalf is an absolute freak. Tyler Lockett is one of the most underrated route runners and players in the National Football League. I think it's going to be a really nice. fun matchup. It'll be about timing and, and being on time with your throws and the cadence and everything from the quarterbacks and the play calls and all that stuff. But I'm really excited to look at that matchup between those guys. And then the other matchup I really want to dive into is the, the defensive backs and the Broncos receivers, right? So we talked about it earlier. Mike Jackson might be starting alongside Tariq Woolen, right? These guys, both yeah. fifth-round picks, um, guys who put in the work this preseason, showing what they can do, and they're out there playing. And now they're going against Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Those are two guys I'm going to focus on for, for these guys. For and Cortland Sutton, man, Duke and ball. He's 6'4", runs a four five forty. but when I look at him, he's game speed bump. Like he, to me, yeah. he looks faster than that. Last year, he had 58 receptions, 776 yards, two touchdowns. But when I watch him, he's physical. He'll make you miss. He can go over the top, but he runs a lot of intermediate stuff, and he'll run that slant, and he'll just kind of body you off. He can run a hitch and get in, get in there tight. Yep. But this is going to be – and Jared Judy, Alabama boy, dude can fly. So it's going to be a great test for the Seahawks defensive backs right away in week one. And that's what you want, honestly. I mean, you don't – it's a gift and a curse, right? You can come out the first week and you could go against a receiver core that is average or below average and get your feet wet. And that's the way to, to get your introduction to the NFL. Or you can get thrown into the fire. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. sometimes that's the best way to do it because you have no moment to relax. You have no time just to chill and take a playoff. I don't think these guys would, but it, there's a difference when you're going up against a different caliber of talent. So. I'm interested to see. Like, these guys are going to make plays. This is the National Football League. You're not going to shut a guy out, completely right. remove him from the game. I ain't seen a DB do that since number 21, Deion Sanders, was out there doing it. Or maybe Champ Bailey. You know, there's there's certain guys who can do it. A guy like Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, they're, this is a, it's a learning process. So it's good. I love the challenge for these guys right out the gate against a, a, a Portland Sutton, who's a baller, and Jerry Judy. Another matchup, this is um, – is this the mo the second most anticipated matchup? I mean, because we've seen we, we talked about the quarterbacks on both sides of the ball, right? What's going to happen there? This matchup, Rashad Penny versus the Denver front seven. Now, Rashad Penny bet on himself this year, signed a one year deal, and says, "You know what? I appreciate Seattle for taking chances on me. Um, I've dealt with injury throughout my whole career. 
They, they never gave up on me. I finished the season strong next year. Let me prove it this year that I can do it. Sign this one-year deal and go out and get it. Now, he led the NFL with 6.29 rushing yard average. The second highest in franchise history, Russell Rush for 7.1 in 2014. Um, had eight rushes of 25-plus yards last year. That's tied for first with Jonathan Taylor, a pro bowler, one of the best running backs in the league. And he didn't have the carries that Jonathan oh, Taylor yeah. had because he was injured. So that I mean the the anticipation to see if Rashad Penny can duplicate what he did last year and continue to be healthy. I heard him in the press the other day. He goes, "Look, this is the best my body has ever felt," and I believe him. I mean, he's been heavy, he's been injured, he, he's been all over the board now. So this is a match as well. I'm looking forward to seeing can Rashad Penny one get the tough yardage running in between the tackles and then still be the explosive guy getting outside the tackles that we saw in the season. Absolutely. I mean, last year we know he was the best in the National Football League running the football. He showed why he's a first-round pick. He showed everything that the Seahawks saw when they drafted him. He was durable. He was healthy. He was reliable. And, yeah, you're right. For the Seahawks offense to go this year, it's about number 20. He yeah. is gonna he's gonna keep this thing moving behind that offensive line. He's a home run threat anytime he touches the ball. So I'm really excited about that. And on the other side, Denver, they're about middle of the pack, stopping the run, 15th, allowing 111 yards per game. So I'm hoping that Rashad Penny runs all over those boys. But you know what time it is, bump? It is time for Path to Victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away, and that kick is. The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Path to victory, Mump. They got to treat Monday night like it's any other game. There's a lot of noise, a lot of hype. I'm seeing all the promos in ESPN, the return of Russell Wilson, all this stuff. It's going to be talked about all week long on ESPN everywhere. You have the national spotlight on Monday night. Everyone is looking at you guys. But like Pete Carroll says, Every game is a championship game. If they treat it that way and don't get sucked into the hype, good things will happen on Monday. They also got to get after Russell Wilson, man. They got to be aggressive on defense. Put him on his butt. I need like four, five, six, seven sacks Mm -hmm. against Russell Wilson, man. He's not the uh, the young spring chicken he once was where he's going to run everywhere. Still bubble, still can get it done, but you got to put him on his butt and keep everything in front of you. Russell loves to throw the ball deep. One of the prettiest deep balls in the game. We got to witness it for 10 years. Keep it all in front of you. All right, Tariq Woolen, flip those hips, baby. Don't <laughs> let them get behind you. Quandre, help them out. Stay over the top. Do whatever you can to eliminate what Russell does best, which is throw the ball deep. Absolutely. And kind of going off the theme that I said earlier, Gino, just go be you, dog. Gino, you are Gino. You're a good football player. You won the starting job for a reason. The offense is now, this is your offense. You've at the. You're at the, got the keys to the car. Just play within yourself. Everyone's got faith in you. You can get that done. And then, like we just finished in our last matchup, run the ball. Be physical. You run the ball. Rashad Penny goes off for 150-some yards again. It's going to be a good day for the Seahawks. Yes, sir. 12s. They got to go crazy. Give them something to go crazy about. Get it rocking over there and looming. Go 1-0. and That's what it's all about. Cliché. One game at a time, one snap at a time, one drive at a time. I don't care. I'm going to say it because that's really what needs to happen. Let's get it done on Monday Night Football. Bump, can't wait. I am so excited. We're back with Hawk Talk Podcast all season long. Reminder, you can catch us everywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Now new this year on Sirius XM as well. A lot of things coming up. You can hear Bump and Stacy every weekday from 10 to 2 on Seattle Sports, 710. we got Hawks Live coming up this 
Thursday night from 7 to 9 at Bellevue Square Center Court. A lot going on, but we will be back next week after the Seahawks take on the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football. Talk soon.